tell they notice me Tryna tell you baby I just wanna take my team All the way to the top where we supposed to be Keep them here this way down underneath my feet Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just tryna feed my family Lord, keep me safe while I'm out here trying What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, A.D. This is Solomon. And you're now watching Reparations, Reparations TV. Black history. Two words with a lot of history, pun intended. And we celebrate this thing that we call Black History Month every February. They gave us the shortest month out of the year, 28 days, 29 days on a leap year, you know, but we're supposed to be thankful for that. And, you know, to an extent, we are. Um, our history cannot be separated from American history. It's intertwined in the fabric and the DNA of American history. When we talk about black history and Black History Month, you'd be remiss to leave out names like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Ida B. Wells, Harriet Tubman, George Washington Carver, Benjamin Banneker. And we could go on and on and on and on with great black Americans that have contributed so much to this country and to this world as a whole. Now, one thing that I wanted to discuss when discussing black history is why we always talk about the same people, man. Solomon, like how you how you feel about that, man? We we literally talk about like this the same brothers that I name and sisters. That's that's what we talk about. You know, Harriet Tubman freed the slaves, Underground Railroad, and and no Rosa Parks refused to get up from her seat. She was tired, and it was a Montgomery bus boycott. And all of a sudden, we could ride on the front and the back of the bus now. Oh, you really want to know? <laughs> well, this is just my take on it. Uh, first and foremost, one thing I notice is that it's like when we say these names, like your Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., your Rosa Parks, your Harriet Tubman, one thing that I notice is majority of time they're very safe names. You know, you rarely hear your, you know, Louis Farrakhan and your <laughs> Mansa Musa and your, you know, you know, people, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, these are these are pioneers of this part of our black American history. That's just all sure. there is to it. You know, despite whatever people have to say about it at the end of the day, um, these are people that have made a difference in the community. Um, and the fact remains is that, you know, you can't undo the work that they've done and the names that we always hear seem to be safe names. So it's like the question is, is why is that? Is that on purpose or is it intentional? In my opinion, I feel like um, it's a little bit of it being intentional and some may not be intentional. I think part of the problem is that um, from the non-intentional point of view, I think that we just get used to hearing these names so often, then that's all we know. You know, name any time that you ever heard in your history class of like Mansa Musa or, you know, um, I mean, there's just so many names off the top of my head, but like you rarely hear any other names besides the same few that you rarely, get. you know, your do. George Washington Carver and things like that. It's like, yes, that's not to negate the contributions that they've made to our society, not just black society. I'm talking about world society, period. Like these are pioneers of the reason why the state of the world 
is, you know, as far as the progress that we've made, why it is the way it is. But you keep saying the same names over and over again. I mean, you can't confine our history to just a few names. There are people like, um, what's the brother's name? Um, I know his last name is is Johnson, but the, the brother that invented the super soaker. You oh, know yeah, what I'm yeah, about. yeah. Um, that's the world's highest selling toy, right? At least I think his last name is Johnson. I'll, I'll fact that check. I'll fact check Man, that we're going to figure you, out who this brother is yeah. who invented the super soaker. But the soaker. brother that invented the super soaker, we'll like, give him his flowers. he didn't even, um, he didn't even get his, his pay until like, he had to sue um, um, yeah. Tiger or whoever it was that um, licensed the product. Mm -hmm. You know, I just recently read something about that. It's funny that you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they weren't trying to give him his bread. And eventually he got all of his money. You know, so, you know, shouts out to Lonnie Johnson. Lonnie Johnson. That's the brother. Lonnie Johnson, yeah. the inventor of the Super oh, Soaker, the super which mm -hmm. is the highest selling toy in the history of the world, I believe. <laughs> That's <laughs> deep. World history. Right. They don't even know that a brother invented the refrigerator or or the air conditioner. Mm -hmm. How many people know that? I don't know the brother that did it because I went to public school in America. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we can talk about that too. But as I said, you know, in a previous conversation we had, we can't put all the pressure on our educational system to educate us about these greats. That's something that we at home need to take the time and the diligence to educate ourselves on you know he like trying to fry are. me right now <laughs> <laughs> nah but 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 in all seriousness i mean that's we can't you can't make somebody you can't expect somebody else to to teach you about yourself you You're have right. to take the due diligence if you care enough to learn about what your people have done yeah we need to we need to do more googling mm -hmm. instead of googling you know the silhouette challenge and what light color you need baby girl how about you google some great black inventors of the 20th century. You'll find so many people and so many things that you did not know were attributed to us, belong to us. And, and, and don't get me wrong, they don't belong to us from the standpoint of they should only benefit us. Um, the world has benefited from the existence of black people and from what we've done to create, uh, to captivate, to entertain, to educate. And I think that should be highlighted. It should be much more than a month. Mm -hmm. It's just like Bobby Brown was doing an interview in the early 90s. And they said, do you think Black History Month is sufficient? And Bobby Bobby was like, we need a whole year. <laughs> Black History Year. You know? And it's like, a year is not enough. Man, like, because we should be talking about Black History every second every minute every hour that we can mm -hmm. and that's not to say that there's nothing wrong with white history or there's something wrong with with um asian or latino or or arab history or you know any other people's history but there needs to be much more than a month that is safe to discuss black history as a matter of fact i just was uh, watching i think it was cnn or something like that mm -hmm. and come to find out there are people in Utah who felt uncomfortable that their children were subjected to having to learn black history. So the principal reached out to those parents and said they could opt out of taking black history classes. And then I read the comments on, on the article and somebody posted, well, how about um, y'all allow us to opt out of white history then? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, wow. if y'all go opt out of black history, 
let us opt out of white history because, you know, Columbus ain't discovered nothing. In 1492, how you discover a land when you get here, it was people already standing and waving and laughing at you. You know what I mean? Like, who is this white man that think he discovered something? Then you call this place America after Americo Vespucci, Italian explorer. But they thought they was in India when they got here. Talk about uh, they ended up calling the Caribbean the West Indies because they thought they had landed in India. Yeah, I mean, that's... Man, there's just so much with that. I mean, circling back on, you know, black history in and of itself. Um, AD, where did this whole notion of Black History Month even come from? Like, how did that even become like a thing? You know anything about that? Yeah, um, as a matter of fact, uh, Black History Week, um, that's what it was at its inception was created in 1926 by Carter G. Woodson. And the Association for the Study of Negro Life and History announced that a second week of February was going to be called Negro History Week. So that's where it was started. And eventually it grew to become Black History Month. And the first cities actually to adopt Black History Month, I believe were, as a matter of fact, Um, Some of them are states. North Carolina adopted it early on, Delaware, West Virginia, and also the cities of D.C. and Baltimore. We happen to be sitting in Baltimore, and you're from D.C., right? Right. You know, so, you know, that's pretty historic. And, you know, it's just crazy that there was so much opposition for it. But um, we understand it because back at the time that Black History Week and then month was adopted, this was like Jim Crow era, mm-hmm. um, segregation era, and right. um, there was a, a great part of society that didn't want black people taking pride in their history or their existence. Yeah, I mean, it was designed that way too. And in some ways shunned upon. It taught you, were, you to hate you. Uh, to take pride in your history. Um, it's just sad, but like I stated before, you know, we're in a new era now, it's your responsibility, ultimately. To learn about yourself you can't expect somebody to teach you about yourself you have to do the due diligence to go and learn about these things one thing i would like to say is or rather you know something i would like to see more of i know that oftentimes when we talk about black history i think you know subconsciously we're really talking about black american history yeah you know when we hear black history we we kind of default to the black american history but um one thing i would like to see is us kind of branch out um into that's not necessarily black american history because there's so much more to us like you know i feel like every time we talk about black american history it starts off with slavery right that's the beginning it's like of our history it's just like it's like when they show you on TV or in media, they talk about the genesis of the world and they, they show Adam and Eve, right? It always starts off That's with the beginning. That. That's the beginning. Well, our Adam and Eve, what they portray is slaves and there was nothing before it's, that. It's um, Kunta in there. I guess the only thing before that is when we were on the boats coming to America to be slaves, <laughs> you know? But <laughs> yeah. it, I mean, you know, we're laughing, but in all no seriousness, such thing as it's Africa, just, I guess, right? Yeah, it's like, okay, you know, and if they want to take it before that, there's never really any um credit i don't think not enough at least given to us as to what type of society that we had before we were brought over 
as slaves. You know, it's just like this notion of, well, before you all were slaves, you were brought on a boat. And before you were brought on a boat, you were in Africa. And when you were in Africa, you were savages. You were savages, crawling on all fours, you know, living in mud huts and things like that. You was a monkey. Monkeys and apes and things of that nature. You climbed trees and you You rode lions. You know, things of that nature. You know, that's what you did. And and the thing about that is, mm -hmm. um, to a degree, I think there's ignorance. I think a lot of white America, they don't really know what Africans were doing in the 1500s and 1400s. They weren't over there. They were in Europe and they were living their lives over there. Underneath of whatever crown they were, whether they were in Portugal or England or France, all of these places that ended up colonizing the world. And they definitely colonized the hell out of Africa because there's no part of Africa that Europeans did not colonize during the 15, 16, 17, and 1800s. You know, and that's why you get a black man in Africa that can speak French or a black man in Canada in Montreal that speaks French. Because we were colonized, or black men in Brazil that speak Portuguese because they were brought over there underneath of the um, Portuguese crown. You know, so all of that is to say, I think that they don't necessarily know as much about our history beforehand. And also, they had to make an effort and to their own benefit and to our detriment to prevent us from knowing our history because with history comes a sense of value and with a sense of value comes pride and with pride comes hope and with hope comes fight and they were having to deal with a lot of slave rebellions early on during slavery and it's only but so many times you want to wrangle up a bunch of slaves that want to cut your head off at some point, you had to find a way to indoctrinate them into your system. So that's why they gave us their last names. That's why they gave us their religion. And there's a lot of brothers and sisters around here practicing Christianity. And I'm not going to get into a whole religious conversation. But I heard the other day somebody said, black people hate everything about slavery, but Christianity. You know? And that was one of the deepest things I ever heard anybody say before. You know, so we just have to understand that none of these things happened by osmosis. It was designed that way. They didn't want us to know who we were because if we knew who we were, we would be harder to wrangle. We would be harder to treat like livestock because we knew that we were men and our women knew that they were women. But once they could get us to feed into this notion or thought process that we were livestock and animals and heathens and savages, then we could be controlled better. And once they put the Bible on us and said that they were our masters and we needed to obey them, you know, a lot of us, by and large, obeyed them for survival. And I'm not going to knock anybody who was living during that time who survived. I hear so many black people say, if I was a slave, oh, I couldn't have done it. They would have had to kill me. I would have revolted. I would have killed. I would have been Sally Hemming. I would have been Nat Turner. Maybe, but you weak now. Mm. You know, what you doing now? Right. So I know you would have been docile back then. 
you not even standing up and fighting for anything that's going on right now. Right. You can be Nat Turner today. <laughs> but you, you would have been Sally Hammond in, in Nat Turner. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So all that to say is, like, I'm not trying to be overcritical of people, but we got to be honest uh, with ourselves. All of these systems exist because of capitalism at its core. America saw a way to get rich fast, and there's no better way to get rich rich than off of free labor. I literally can put hundreds of people to work and none of them have to get paid. I don't care about housing them and lodging them and feeding them. That's scraps, you know? Mm. But I don't have to pay them a living wage at all. I'm going to go over to Africa and I'm going to get me some slaves. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to insure them, insure the, the ship. And if they drown, I'm going to cash in insurance money. Sometimes they even made the ships drown on purpose. They made people drown on the ships and they made the ships go under because they knew they could collect that insurance check. That's terrible. First things that were ever insured in America, look them up, slaves. And that's one of the reasons why we say we need reparations. We're not cars or or planes or boats or houses that you can just insure. Man, we're people. Nobody, nobody insured white people. So I don't want to hear that you're not benefiting off of slavery. You're benefiting off of it right now. You know what? The, I just want to add one thing to that. Um, it's crazy that you say that the first... Um, things that were under insurance were slaves. Um, I've been hearing very much, especially as of lately, especially after the George Floyd situation, and even prior to that, prior to George Floyd, like the Tamir Rice and the Trayvon Martins and things like that, that um, black people need to start looking into getting life insurance. And from what I'm seeing and what I'm reading is the reason why is because maybe if black people started getting more life insurance on them, you know, when these things happen to us, then we wouldn't be left kind of like in a nothing position. Because it seems like some families, when they have these travesties imposed upon them, like a loved one gets killed or gets wrong, uh, done wrong or something like that, it seems like in the beginning, there's like little to no justice. Then like later down the line, there's like a settlement or something like that. And typically after the settlement, you never really hear that much uh, from the family. But the justice is still never really served. Like the whoever was the one that perpetrated that act pretty much gets to walk off free. I feel like if we had life insurance policies on ourselves, we wouldn't be kind of dazzled by the money. You know and we would continue to fight, you know what I'm saying, you know, that's te- for the justice. You know, that's, that's crazy that you say that, bro, mm-hmm. because... During the whole Freddie Gray situation in Baltimore, mm-hmm. if, if y'all aren't familiar, Freddie Gray was a young man from Baltimore City who was, you know, for better of, for lack of a better term, murdered by the police in Baltimore City. Mm. He was alive at the time they apprehended him, and he was dead by the time he got to the precinct. And it just created a huge uprising. Some might call it rioting. Some might call it protest, but, you know, Baltimore was on fire, like um, physically, literally, figuratively, like emotionally, like everything that you can say about, you know, being upset and hot, any adjective you can use for that, we were. And people were out here 
using their voice coming together and i saw it just so much like unity and and peace that i never felt in baltimore before but mm. in the media we were being like categorized as, as thugs and even our Colonels own mayor got on the television and called us thugs and she ended up having to step down after saying that because you know she didn't think she was a black woman she should have known better to use that type of language about black people mm -hmm. but you know shout out stephanie rollins blake we'd love to have you on one day so you can talk about that in depth but anyway like i said the whole freddie gray situation we were all uniting behind him and Marilyn Mosby, the DA for Baltimore City, brought charges, brought charges against all six of the officers. I believe it was six officers involved. Reparations TV. At this time, we want to recognize some black heroes since this is Black History Month. And we want to talk about a couple of people that never get the recognition, or at least if they do, I've never seen it. Um, one of these people that I want to highlight is a woman that produce the mega smash hit Rapper's Delight. Now, if you don't know about Rapper's Delight, it was the first rap record to hit mainstream. It actually went number one in Canada, was top 40 in America, and it's really what sparked the whole rap mu uh, movement in the US. Um, because of this young lady, Sylvia Robinson, we now have the most successful genre in the world when it comes to music. Um, and I'm not saying solely because, because of her, but she was definitely one of the sparks that led to the movement of rap music and of hip hop. So shout out Sylvia Robinson. I never hear anybody talk about you doing black history, but for what you did in 1979, a, a black woman to produce a world renowned track, you know, hip hop, the hip hip, the hop. The hip hip hop, you don't stop. I'm rocking to the black name Boogie the Beat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like anybody that's a historian of this culture of rap music that I love knows about that song, but everybody doesn't know that it was a woman and a black woman that produced it. So shout out to Sylvia Robinson. Also, one more that I want to highlight is a young lady who in December of 1955, um, she watched Rosa Parks. But, um, refused to give up her seat in Montgomery, Alabama. However, she had done the same thing nine months earlier in March of that same year of 1955. Her name was Claudette Colvin, a 15-year-old girl who in Montgomery, Alabama did the exact same thing Rosa Parks did, but did not receive the recognition because she was a young girl and she couldn't, they couldn't necessarily take advantage of her status because she didn't have any. Rosa Parks was the secretary of the NAACP, so it made sense for a woman of her status and stature to be associated with the Montgomery um, bus boycott movement. But Claudette was you know, so much younger and did not have the status, so she did not receive the credit or recognition. And um, I venture to say most people don't even know who she is. Do you know who Claudette Colvin is? Did you hear of her before this? They didn't teach us that in public school. <laughs> all right, man. But that's all the time we got here, man. Black history is American history. We got love for everybody that got love for us. And if you don't, you know, it's all good. Make sure y'all follow us on social media at Reparations Brand. 
hit the website up, get you a hoodie, get you a t-shirt, get you some sweatpants. It's a little nipply outside, you know, some scullies. You might have to, you know, bundle up a little bit. We got reparations gear for moms and dad and niece and nephew and baby too. We you got feel all me? different types of paraphernalia for all different types of people. Black, white, Japanese. Asian. <laughs> Puerto Rican and Haitian. Uh, but um, <laughs> in all seriousness, you know, we appreciate you all's viewership. And um, definitely let us know what you're thinking. You know, send us an email at tv at reparationsbrand.com. Send us your questions, things that you would like to see us talk about on the podcast. And, you know, even comments that you have about what we're doing. Um we're definitely diving headfirst into this movement, and uh, we're proud to do what we do. And there's going to be a whole lot more content coming from us very soon, you know. Um, so definitely hit us up. Uh, if you would like to support, please visit our Patreon, patreon.com slash reparationsbrand. Um, like, comment, subscribe on the YouTube. Hit that cash app, too. <laughs> you know, dollar sign reparations brand. Any contributions are appreciated. Uh, we definitely have a lot coming for you all soon. So that being said, we'll see you all in the near future. This is Solomon. This is AD. And you're watching Reparations, Reparations TV. TV. Chip. Chip.